0: I'm not turning that thing off if it's 90. it'll heat up too fast okay welcome everybody i was just talking to myself i'm so sorry happens <laughs> to the best of us hang on a second let me get to where i can see the chat there we go all right welcome happy sunday i hope everybody's had a great weekend um please let me know if you can hear me all right in the chat i uh, i've got the air conditioner on it's nine it's, it's it's 92 degrees right now and no way in hell i'm turning that thing off because it's just going to heat up in here but uh i noticed something uh when i was editing a couple videos that i did and uh i i have hearing issues and my, i think i'm getting worse because i can't hear myself in the headphones hardly when i'm talking today it's strange today i can probably because of the because the ac but on a normal day i don't hear myself that well through the headphones and um I had to turn it way down, you know, to, to, to turn my volume in way down because it just it was just booming out, and I didn't realize that. So I need to know if you guys are listening, if you can hear me. That's first. So I'll wait. I have time. In the meantime, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. I hate when things hang too. Based out of Sacramento, California, we are 45 strong up and down the state. Which means if you have if you think you have a paranormal problem we can't get you it might take a while california is a huge state but we will get you we have a medium on staff that can call you and and uh in, in the most cases that they, they can settle things down before we get out there okay let me my head looks crooked even anyway it's head sunday and it's kind of laid back sunday fridays are laid back but sundays are laid back too tonight i'm directly on facebook Hot dog. Okay, I just started the stars thing on Facebook today and I didn't know if they were going to pop up on the video. I'm just looking at Pamela. You know I can enlarge this too because I'm not going to be anywhere else. Hang on. Let me enlarge this. So I didn't know if they were going to pop up or not so that's good to know. So there's an option that's popping up now and uh, you know it's a way to support support what I do here and the stars are only a penny a piece but it's just something that Facebook offers certain creators and you know, creators that have the followers and stuff. So I'm excited to have that incorporated. It used to be it was incorporated through the, through, uh, the Go- California Hosco Ghostly Events page, but I have recently qualified with my regular pages. So I'm really excited about that. I'm really stoked. But anyway, can you hear me all right, Pamela? Do I sound okay? I just want to make sure my sound's okay. Because I can't tell if my sound's good enough. Somebody tell me about my sound. How's my audio? Okay, anyway, while they're doing that, if you're watching from Facebook tonight and you like what you hear, please do me a favor and, and maybe send me some stars or, or thumbs up or smiley faces or however that works, okay? Or, or whatever they have that, that's happy. Because uh, what that does is uh, Facebook has an algorithm, and what that does is it puts us up, it, it, put, it, it moves me up in the algorithm to where it, it gets spread more over Facebook and different people get to see me. Just like on YouTube, same thing. If, if you're listening from YouTube tonight and you like what you hear, please hit that thumbs up button, that smiley face, the hearts, whatever. Because that will move me up in the algorithm the, the more you do that. Also, and if you haven't done so already on Facebook, you can follow me. It's like subscribing, right? You can follow me. I have uh, four hundred no 621 videos out there, and uh, each one is different. Except for the Sundays, because the Sundays we read, of course. But each one is different, and... um. Thank you, (laughs) Mars. My producers, I didn't know if my sound was okay. Uh, You know, each video is different. So I'm a journalist. I'm a photojournalist. journalist. I don't like to cover the same topics. So I like to vary it. So you're going to get different things. Like uh, once a month, we talk about the opioid epidemic. Uh, This month, we're even throwing in a, a, a story about Disneyland, which makes me real happy. And I'm seriously considering doing once a week, a profile on somebody from disney or, or doing some disney history once a week for you guys i really loved it i loved interviewing and for you guys that don't know i was able to interview gina rock who is the longest flying tinkerbell at disneyland and i was real excited about that really stoked and she's a wonderful lady and um, i put together a really nice show it's over at the patreon right now california hunts radio patreon if you guys want to check it out for an early bird Otherwise, it will be airing here on Monday the 12th. It will be airing here. But uh, I think I put together a little package. I hope you guys were able to see the teaser. And again, uh, YouTube, I kind of got sidetracked. Uh, YouTube, please subscribe over there if you haven't done so already. Okay? Because we're just trying. And whatever it is you're doing on Facebook to get me into the algorithms, it's working because I'm seeing a lot more people um, watching the shorts that I'm putting out. So, I'm really excited about that. Really stoked. All right. Also, the STARS program on Facebook it qualifies for business and creators accounts. And I, I did qualify for it earlier uh, this year, but the only issue was it was on one page. I, I would have had to do Facebook Lives on that particular page. So, it kind of was iffy. But I have just recently, within the last couple of days, qualified for it on my regular account. So, they're coming up now. So, if you, you know, the, the, the they're a penny each. So, I mean, if, if you feel the need, that you like what you see, you want to donate, that's fine. You know, or you can do it through the usual channels with PayPal, California Haunts, or California Haunts Venmo. That's just a few. You, you know, that's if you want to do it. Anyhow, let's talk about TikTok for a second because I'm still banned over there. And I just find the whole thing tremendously funny in that the same, I got banned on the Sunday <laughs> for God only knows what. Because I don't think I, 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 I blew any any of the guidelines i just don't get it even after appeal they kept me banned so i'm banned till 7 p.m today over there but what made me feel better and i hate to say it because he's a dear friend you know uh you know and and i adore him bishop james long got banned over got banned on TikTok tock as well the day before i got banned and how do you how, how do you ban a catholic priest or a catholic bishop what is that about right so Bishop, if you're listening, which he's not, he's doing a Sunday prayer session right now. But if you see this show, Bishop, know that even though I laughed about it, I felt a lot better. You know, I feel bad for you because I don't understand how people can ban a Catholic bishop. Okay. So I felt like I was in good company because I know I've been trying to clean up this book because, you know, there are moments in there when there's a lot of Jackie Collins stuff going on. And there's also moments in there when the husband who's a police officer, gets very descriptive about his cases, so I've been trying to clean this stuff up, and I still got banned last week. And that's the second ban in a month from TikTok. So, yeah, how how do you ban a Catholic bishop? Anyway, that being said, exciting things on the horizon. Karen Clark and I are going to start probably next week. We're going to have our first show over on TikTok, and I don't know if we're going to be telling stories, or if it's going to be psychic readings, but we're going to be ta- we're going to be talking ghost stories and stuff over there on TikTok. So that's going to be our first foray over there together, as a as a tag team over on TikTok. So we'll see how things flow over there. I'm really excited about that. Uh, the Tinkerbell video video uh, is going to be released. and Anybody that wants to join the California Haunts Patreon, Patreon, can see the uh, the preview of that video. You can you can, you can see uh, first, you know, the, the the first view of it, you know, and. Uh, that's what we're doing with a lot of these uh, pre-records is uh, we're going to have the first view over at uh, TikTok. I'm not TikTok, but um, uh, Patreon. God, there's so many sites. All you got to do is type in uh, patreon.com forward slash California House Radio. All right, that's being said. Last week, we ended up with a very long read of this book. I usually read for an hour. Is my head crooked? Look at that. There we go. Since I got my haircut, this thing doesn't want to sit right in my head um anyway we ended up going on for more than an hour two hours last week and i felt like the book sounded like it was kind of winding down and i finally was able to get into the table of contents today and sure enough we're very close right now so what will happen today is if, if it runs short then we'll just sit around we'll just sit here and chit chat about things just like we're doing now so um that's the plan i have because i don't know how it's going to end and i'm looking for you guys to suggest a book a uh, uh, paranormal based book so we can try and get something i'm trying to get a hold of that gentleman that wrote the uh the, the attorney that i interviewed a couple weeks ago to see if i can get him to give me permission to read his book next week but i'm going to be i'm going to be working at that this week trying to find somebody's book to read at this point not only do you have permission from the author i have to get permission from the publishers to read these things but uh, we'll see we'll see how that goes but i do have a couple sources anyway right i always have sources okay so uh I was so tired last week, I can't even remember where the hell we left off on this book or or what they were talking about. I think she was seeing other stuff in her house. I think she saw a demon again or something, something along that line. Anyway, so we're going to get there. I'm sure we're going to end the book today. So, in fact, yeah, because when I click on it, it tells me we're in Chapter 20 or 21, but it tells me that Chapter 21 is the end. So it must be a bonus end or something on it. So I don't know. It is hot today. So I'm only reading to you guys on TikTok, uh, TikTok, on Facebook. <laughs> it's one of those days. So I'm all. So I'm only reading to you guys on Facebook and YouTube today. So you got me all oh, your stuff. So hopefully I can pop back in the chat room too. Okay, one more drink. All right, at least my sounds good. I've got the air conditioning on, and okay. So let's get into. Rain no evil and we left off i don't know if we're at the end of this chapter or in the middle of the chapter but we left off right in the right on a paragraph so yeah and i want to give amazon some kudos this thing they have this package they have with uh their ebooks where you can uh, join the ebook club and all this so once you join you can rent like unlimited ebooks which is really cool which is what i'm doing and that's what i'm reading off so it's kind of cool it's, it's really kind of cool all right here we go fair no here right know you full you must know every secret in mouton county mrs E says raspberry cream running down her chin me, from the last tub of pastry ooh pastry as mr fellman dumps every paper from his mailbox into the trash all the good ones i say letting a second piece of fudge melt in my mouth i want fudge Somebody get me fudge joanne pours her coffee mug full and i followed her around the corner to her office where stacks of folders are piled high on the floor, leaving a pathway to her desk. I shut the door and slide into a chair, detailing the events that led to Hank's murder, and tell her that Stephen Hopper probably won't be at school today. I knew you'd want to check on him after what he's been through, I say. If you get a hold of him, don't act like you know any of this. Just ask how his mom is doing and see what he tells you. It's no secret the squad was called to his house would have been broadcast across the scanner. I just want Stephen to know he has people who care. Five minutes before lunch is over, Brandon and Terry rustle through my classroom door. Mrs. Sampleton told you, didn't I? Brandon says, straddling a chair backwards. You mean about Cliff Parker? I say, finishing off my protein drink. I knew you'd want to check on him after what he's been through. I say, oh, wait a minute. It's just get back on me. Look at that oh we're stuck hang on we are officially stuck don't you hate when it does this okay so it's not there we go yep zoe's not here today terry says shasha shall be the next one f- f- found yeah we're going to say found dead that's all we're going to say oh terry don't say that i hadn't really thought about how zoe must feel you know Zoe's going to have to live her whole life knowing she's responsible for placing her grandpa in the situation that precipitated his murder. Brandon tips back on the legs of the chair. It snowed when they killed him. Put the chair down, you're going to break your neck. What about snow? I say, taking my last bite of sweet potato. You said precipitation, Brandon says to the chair landing on all fours. Brandon says the chair landing on all fours. Oh, I laugh. Kids, I too love them. Precipitation is rain or snow, or precipitated the way I used it means it came before, so the situation Hank was in before his murder, like he went to Parker's trying to help Zoe, and that's what caused his murder. The rest of my favorite sophomores trickle in for their last English class before summer break, and I have them share their summer vacation plans. A few students box up the books from the shelves, others design encouragement cards for Diane's brother Michael. He hasn't been back to school since Diane killed herself. And Joanne thought the contact from other students would comfort him. Courtney's desk is sparkling from the green glitter she's sprinkled on a yellow card to Michael. I walk over to her desk, peering over her shoulder. Courtney, that's a beautiful angel. I didn't know you were such an artist. Courtney flips the bangs from her eyes and holds the card arm's length. You should be proud of that. Michael will be touched. I lay my hand on her back. Maybe you should consider taking graphic design at the Career Center next year. Lots of jobs in that field, plus you wouldn't need to depend on a man. I plow past a few students sitting on the floor and over to Terry and tell him that the auto store is hiring for the summer and I know the manager. If he's interested, I can help him get on. I'm a seed planter. What's harvested depends, I suppose, on the assimilation of each person to live their own truth. Six period students roll in. The magic moment has arrived. My last class with students before blessed summertime. As the students stand one after the other, reading aloud their expectations for summer, I daydream about my own summer. Will Alex and I get closer or drift to separate islands? Looking out my window over the cow field where cattle are grazing, I conjure up my own sunscape. An exotic image of a private island complete with coconuts and Gilligan. Oh, to heck with him. Elite. Make that pina coladas of Mark Wahlberg, Add in the sound of waves lapping the palm tree shoreline, a breeze-kissed massage under the tiki hut, with a tan cabana boy doling out cocktails, a grill shrimp, grilled shrimp and The sound of the holy grail digging for dismissal zips me back to reality quickly, then the, then the return trip from my vacation I've, I've, I've ever had, and I'm on to planning period. Weaving around chattering students in the hall, in no hurry to get to their, their last class, I duck into the lounge and scarf down my second cream-filled cupcake that an anonymous evil pastry buddy placed beside the fudge. By the time the final dismissal bill dongs, my sugars is as high as the hand I'm waving to all the young is scattering to their two months of freedom. It's a glorious day, and tomorrow will be even better. I get injected with divine energy, courtesy of Jen. Whose healing power is my newfound special antidote for poisoning my life. When the boys and I arrive home, a truck is pouring concrete out of the driveway, and my head starts spinning like the tank that's dumping the sledge. What the hell is Alex done now? There's no way he had enough money to pay for pavement. I pull around back behind Alex's cruiser. Alex and the boys run toward a haggard looking Keegan who's smoothing over the concrete opposite Alex. I struck I struck the lawn toward Alex. He spots me and yells from halfway down the drive, careful. No kidding, I'm thinking as I, as I tap dance around the house through the grass until I reach Alex who's troweling the wet cement close to the house. Need you to write me a check, Alex shouts over the sound of the mixer. The guy's almost done pouring it. I lower my head, watching my hands rub my dress pants, and I imagine pushing Alex into the fresh concrete and him hardening there. Mouth dried in a perpetual, endless, soundless scream, with no one to rescue him, just like he makes me feel every day. I would shine a spotlight on him in, front of, in the front yard for all the county to see. A shrine of sorts to taste Templeton, who never did learn the art of keeping his mouth shut. The statue, embodying his voiceless resistance, would be a monument to my independence. You hear me? Alex says pushing the long-handled tool in his arms, smoothing the material he hasn't paid for. He's asking me if I hear him. The tables have indeed turned. How much, I ask, even though my any amount would be more than what he has in our bank account. 3400 he says, maintaining eye contact with the, with the non-judgmental concrete, and I don't blame him. I glance around to see if the boys are listening, but they're intent on watching Keegan, skillfully shaping the concrete. You know we don't have that much in the account, I say. My God, nowhere near that. Maybe 300. You know I've been saving to have this done, Savvy. I've got to pay the guy, dang it. Just get the checkbook. My eyes rove to the blue sky, knowing that the likelihood of Alex having over even 200 in his rusty coffee can in the rafters of the garage is as likely as me turning water into wine. I stomp off to the house and dig into the Snoopy satchel in my closet where I've hidden over $4,000 for vacation. I hold the bills in my hand, the hundreds, the twenties, and I realize I'm holding my independence money. Money I'll need to segue toward my new dream of peace, not the money that I'll spend on another family trip on which Alex and I depart delusional, thinking that a view of the heavens from an exotic location will unite us, only to return with broken spirits that match our broken bank account. I stash the money and grab a credit card check from the filing cabinet in the study. I'll help Alex out, the idiot. But he's not using my nest egg to build the driveway that I'm probably not going to even be driving on much longer. I scurried out and hand Alex the check. What's this, he says, squinting. Ben yells over the drive. Can we go to Grandpa's? I shrug and yell. Up to Grandpa. He's probably tired. I turn back to Alex. It's a credit card check. I say, walking off. While Alex shakes his head in disapproval. Fifteen minutes later, Keegan pulls out with the boys, and Alex joins me at the table over a bowl of soup. You're going to tell me why you gave me a credit card check, Alex says? Sure. When you tell me what you're thinking by ordering concrete we can't pay for. Alex's face flushes the color of his cherry Kool Aid. I'm tired of throwing our money away on gravel. It's always a muddy mess. I formed it up Sunday when you took off. You're so selfish. You can take off for hours, but I can't even order concrete without getting the third degree. I let my spoon slide deep in my soup. I saw you digging by the driveway Sunday, but I didn't know. What do you know? You're never happy with anything I do. Refraining from saying that I'm never happy is on is on the agreement you signed. Anyway, I didn't know what you were digging for. You mentioned concrete it, I say. But you never said anything about having it done this week. would be nice if you saved up money for stuff like that. Would be nice if you'd save for anything. The agreement we made about how we would talk to each other? I don't like that agreement. You keep trying to change me. Well, I'm not changing, and you can't make me. Alex holds his spoon like he's going to throw it, chomping the crackers in his bowl, soup splashing onto his arms. I feel woozy. This is it. This is really it. We're over. You can write that in your little book, you idiot. You really think people want to read your uh, about your crazy things that go up in the night? The wood table beneath my palms helps me push myself up out of the chair. I slip off to the bedroom. There's nothing more to say, at least not to Alex. But I do have something to say, and I'm going to say it with or without his support or approval. Just because he doesn't want to hear me doesn't mean that no one else does. He refuses to hear me now, but I have no doubt that when my book comes out, He'll darn sure hear me then. Mine will be the third one on the short list of books he's ever read. Alex just he's got the starring role, and not because he's searching for enlightenment, but read really it he will. After a few hours of channeling words into my laptop, I traips downstairs for a snack. Alex slithers up behind me while I'm inspecting the inside of the refrigerator. His hand pulling me by the waist to face him. His head lowers and his lips touch my cheek. I arch away from him and say, if you want to apologize, I'll listen. The man they call Taze looks like a taser Just stun him. Apologize? For what? He says, pulling me to him. I twist out of his embrace and grab the counter behind me. If you don't know, then I can't explain it. I say. Are you ever happy? Alex grabs a jug of milk from the fridge, gulping it so fast it runs off his chin. Then it hits me. All those times in the past he came up to me after a fight fondling me, I thought he was apologizing. He wasn't. He was just wielding his way back into my good graces. He never believed he had anything to apologize for. I walk zombie-like back to the bedroom, feeling as stupid as he thinks I am. Alex just wants me because I'm hot enough to flaunt around town and mess with with the lights on. I fall into bed, into a deep sleep so deep that I can smell the algae and the swamp and the skiff I'm in. Alligators are circling and a baby's crying. I scan the tiny boat, but it's dark. And the waning moon isn't offering much light. I hear splashing. The baby's in the water. I stretch my arm towards the sound farther, further, until I feel I'm going to fall overboard. The feel of soft skin reaches my fingertips. I latch on and pull the child close, lifting it in my arms. I swipe my sleeve across the forehead and wake screaming. That baby is me. When I arrive at Jen's Wednesday at 2 o'clock, the door is cracked, so I nudge it open, yelling, Hello, is a question than reading. Jen says she'll be down in a minute. I make my way to the basement, where the rocker cushion has a few strands of hair on it, compliments of the feline with a cheshire grin, who's squinting at me from the corner. Brushing off the seat, I sit and scan the shelves. Propped on edge of the bookshelf against the wall is a book, sacred contracts, and a DVD. What the bleep do we know? To the right there is an image of an emerald green mermaid staring at me from the cover of a calendar details of the vivid artwork are provocative and tattoo inspiring should i ever get a hankering for having a permanent picture etched on my skin this gorgeous green beauty could be start to be staring at me from my wrist before isaac saw the mermaid float through the- our bathroom i hadn't given their existence true consideration but now i feel that just because i haven't met the creature doesn't mean one isn't hiring Are luring a vulnerable man to his death right now. I haven't been in Jen's office this long without her here. A handwritten, Reiki charge signed hangs by an array of colored candles to my left and tiny medicine bottles stacked inches away deep in in curios. Anyone could easily swipe a small bottle or candle. My my heart clamps taut. What if she thinks I'm stealing something? I rub my clammy hands back and forth on my legs. And glance up the stairs to see if Jim's coming. I want her to get down here so she knows I'm not t- taking anything. The white ball of fur is looking at me. His blue eyes seem to pierce my skull and read my mind like Jim does. I confided in her that, I, that I've shoplifted. Not because I needed the stolen item or because I couldn't afford to buy it, just enjoyed the challenge of proving to myself I could get by with stealing it. I was an honest thief, though. I feel so guilty. I would take the stupid thing back to the store the next day, wearing the stolen garment under my clothes, and discarding it in the dressing room, or stashing the previously taken trinket in my purse and setting it casually on the counter. The thrill of getting by was something so covert made me feel clever, and I realize Jen's right when she says I've got a lot of work to do on myself. I want to feel clever like I, like that without stealing. I don't want Jen to think that I'd steal from her. I could, but I'm not going to. She's my fresh start, and I'm not messing that up. So, then, why did the thought of how easy it would be even cross my mind? Would a normal person waiting down here like me feel awkward like this? Would they even wonder if Jen had considered the possibility of them stealing from her? Jen descends the steps, her flabbered skirt draping each riser and flopping onto the next little, the next like a slinky. My ordinary eyes meet her angelic ones that glance over to the bookshelf and return a smile down at me. She knows what I'm thinking. I feel it. She knows. Guilt must be written all over my face. But I didn't take anything. Didn't even plan on taking anything. Suddenly, I know that the guilt I'm feeling is from the sheer thought of stealing. I didn't have to actually do anything wrong to feel the yucky disappointment in myself. If that basic rule applies all areas of life that I'm going to have to learn to think differently in order to truly change. My thoughts are creating my world, just like the secret claims they do. My odd therapist settles back into her seat, dips her chin, and looks at me. How are you? I'm not asking her now. I'm not asking her how she is. She's not just being polite. She really wants to know. The words gush out. I can't live this way anymore. With Alex, I mean. I love him, always will. We were high school sweethearts, you know. But he's so mean and so disrespectful. I don't want my boys to disrespect women like he does me. I swallow hard to keep cheers from forming. I love my boys, but I know I can't stay with Alex for them. I'm not doing them any favors by staying. The arguments they've witnessed, it's just not fair for them either. And it's not like they're babies anymore. They're developing their ideas about marriage and love and respect, and Alex and I are providing a dysfunctional example to them. Jen tips her spectacles forward, laying them upside down on the table. When I called you Monday, you said you threw food across the room. You got to understand, I don't get angry like that, like I did Sunday. My hands jab the air, as fast as I'm talking. I wanted to explode literally, just let my whole body combust and I and be done with it. Sliding on a pair of berry colored glasses, Jen pencils a note into the meal folder. Guess the documents. I guess she documents my visits after all. I just wanted to enjoy Sunday dinner together after our first day at the Catholic Church, but old hell broke loose when we got home. Alex was screaming for Isaac to get downstairs and eat. Isaac wasn't hungry, so he yelled something back and slammed his door, and poor Ben. I looked down to where a tear just splashed under my white pants and brushed my fingers across my moist face. The look on Ben's face, it broke my heart. He's so soft-hearted. I didn't want to raise my kids the white trash way, you know? I don't need sympathy. Just someone to see my perspective just once. Jen feels my pain. I see the understanding in her eyes, so I continue. That's when I threw the meatloaf fresh in the oven. I was gripping it with oven mitts one second and hurling it into the living room the next. It was like a slow motion. I thought... This is what a nervous breakdown must feel like. Neither of Jen's eyebrows had raised, and I'm wondering if I'll ever get a rise out of this woman. Maybe nothing I ever say will surprise her. Maybe she knows everything already and just waits for me to tell her my version. I wrestle I wrestle a tissue from my purse and blow my nose. Grease and globs of ketchup and meat roll all over the floor. Thank God the dish didn't hit anyone. I shift to the edge of my seat and sit erect. Looking directly into the stream of compassion shining from Jen's eyes, I stood there in a stupor looking at it. I never want to feel that out of control again, ever. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. Jen smooths her lips together and looks above me toward the ceiling. I notice she does that often, and I wonder if someday I'll be able to see what's up there too. Jen says, First of all, you can't change Alex or anyone else, just yourself. And it won't happen overnight, but you can change. Change yourself, change your world. I want to burst out. Okay, just tell me what to do. But I force myself to be quiet and listen. Your reaction to Alex gives him energy, feeds his anger, Jin, Jin leans back. By react, I mean that you either pout or ignore him, or scream back and stomp off. Either way, he wins. He gets your energy... Instead, you could tell him that you feel hurt and sad, but he probably wouldn't hear you when he's raging. So it might be more beneficial to wait until he's calmed down and then tell him how you felt. My eyes feel like they are bulging out. What do I say while he's going ballistic? Remember, you can't change his behavior. If he's screaming, that's his choice. You are only in control of your actions. Act purposefully. Don't just react. Jen's making sense, but this is going to require a lot of effort. It's like I'm going to have to learn to speak a foreign language. She continues. For instance, say you're in the middle of cooking and he's yelling. Ask him to leave the kitchen and tell him you will talk to him when he calms down. Jen sees my bulging eyes and continues. I know... Hang on a second. Whoa, where'd it go? Okay. I know he doesn't seem like the type that's going to do that. So you could leave the kitchen and find another task you want to finish or do something pleasurable like read." I know you said you liked to write, she grins. Anything that will make you happy is feel good about yourself. I pictured Ryan and Logan stroking my face. That made me feel good. Dang. Dang them both. I haven't told Jen about Logan, but I want her to have time for my hands on the treatment. I pop one shoulder forward. Oh, so messing around with the neighbors out? Jen's laugh is from her belly. I'm pleased she thinks I'm funny. Jen, one more thing before you work on me. A book at the library called to me. I almost didn't check it out because of the title, but I'm glad I did. It's called The Verbally Abusive Man. Jen nods. I'm familiar with that book. I read it, and there was a contract inside. I typed up the agreement, and Alex signed it Monday night. Jen's looking past me like she's gazing into a crystal ball, only she can see. He agreed? Yes, I say, rubbing my wedding ring, as if just talking about it makes my finger ache. But just last night, he said he wasn't going to change, and that I can't make him. I think that said it at all. I think we're really over. Well, today, lady, Jen says, swooping swooping the side of her skirt into her hand and walking toward the treatment room, I am being told you need to hear a CD of strength. So, angels told you that about the CD? I asked following. Yes, I get sort of downloaded with information. Jen starts the CD while I slip my shoes and jewelry off, lying flat I feel particularly warm when Jen gestures to her angelic realm. The tingling along my skin is like the static electricity shock Luce and I used to give each other after digging our rubber-soled jammies into the shag carpet. I relax and listen to what the lady on CD is saying about humans having four archetypes, each employed as circumstances dictate and when called upon by the individual. Before long, Jen has moved to my head and I feel a stinging sensation, like rubber bands are being snapped onto my skull. I try to ignore the uncomfortable feeling. I have to, since this is part of the therapy. If the intensity of any is any indication, I must really need this treatment. I concentrate on summarizing, excuse me, on summarizing what I've learned so far. our warriors in the north, nurturers in the south, stages in the west, but the longer I'm here, the more my head spins like I'm drunk. Except the room's not moving, my brain is. I'm aggravated from trying to focus on the words of enlightenment I'm supposed to be, be digesting. I can't hear the voice on the CD anymore. Only the angry ones from above my head, filtering out, you shouldn't have come here. I look up, but there's nothing up there except the ceiling tile. I close my eyes. If want will lose my mind, it might as well be here. In the one bed where I finally found acceptance succumbing to the spinning sensation i let the centrifugal force take control and hear the growling voices shouldn't have come told you shouldn't have come i scan the room above me for the source of the voices i'm hearing i peer into each corner of the room expecting to see a demon face as the demon face i saw last time i was here but there are no dark shadows or spirits that are visible i'm sorry i say to whoever is mad at me for coming here i'm dazed i sit up in bed and look over toward the blurry form of Jen, who's on her stool to my left. The inside of my head is twirling nonstop into orbit, and I'm helpless to stop the motion. Other than the sickening echoes of garbled, growling voices that seem to be buzzing my brains out, I can't hear anything. My head's a horn's nest. When I look up again, Jen is still to my left, but she's sitting in the chair draped with my purse. I push my elbows into the bed in an effort to sit up, but have no strength, and collapse back onto the pillow. Jen's hand gently softens to my wrist. That's searching for leverage. Easy there. No rush, she says. Patting my face with a cool cloth. After several minutes, I say I'm so weak. Jen strokes my forehead. I know, honey. I feel really stupid. Tired. Tired and confused and stupid. Jen offers her arm, so I grab a hold and attempt to swing my legs off the bed, but they barely budge. With her free hand, Jen slides my legs till they dangle off the edge. With Jen's assistance, I'm I mosey out to the rocking chair where she makes sure I'm settled before resting on the chair behind her desk. You remember anything, Jen asks, her soft blue eyes practically propping me up from across the room. I rub my forehead like the movement will bring my memory front and center. I remember my head spinning and growling voices saying they didn't want me here. Jen says, You sat up, looked at me and said, I'm sorry. I wasn't sure what you were sorry for, but I knew you were under the influence of an evil presence." Then you went into a seizure. My hazy memory flashes a scene of Jen sitting in the chair refi- beside me as I felt like I was being pushed off a mountain and spiraling into pitch black. As I tell Jen what I remember my cell rings, Alex wants to know if I'm still at the doctor's appointment. I told him that I had. I tell him yes, and that I had a seizure in the doctor's office, but I'll drive home once I feel up to it. I hang up, place the phone in my lap, and drink the water Jen places on the table beside the sage smudge stick. What time is it, I asked. It's 3.30. I cancel my appointments for the rest of the afternoon. You take as much time as you need. Here, take this. She has me an oblong pill. It may prevent you from having another seizure. I'm tired, but my mind is calm. I feel like such a nuisance, so pathetic. A seizure. What kind of what kind of weak person has a seizure? And during Enduring and and, and, and energy healing, of all places. I swallow the pill. Jen, I'm sorry. So sorry for messing up your day. Jen waves her hand. I just want you to feel better. We'll sit here and chat until you feel like moving. Something's bugging me, I say. You've told me to notice my feelings during a normal day. It's kind of weird, but I get mad when I hear people laugh. Even when it's been an Isaac. Instantly. I'm mad. I want them to be happy. So it doesn't make sense until Logan popped into my life and I realize I'm angry because I'm jealous that other people seem to laugh at you. So easily, compared to me. I want to laugh, too. Logan? Jen asked. The earring she's hooked her finger through, listening in my way. Logan and I have known each other for years. His wife left him and we started talking a few weeks ago. He made me laugh. I really cared about him, but we weren't having an affair. But he's back with his wife now, who, by the way, slept with Alex about five years years ago. Charlie, the cat, is licking his paw, from a squat under the Buddha as, as I ram along. Does Alex know about Logan? No. i told him about the other guys in the past, but I just can't tell him about Logan. It's different because I really care about him. Even after everything Alex has done to hurt me, I really don't want to hurt him. It's good. You're paying attention to your feelings, like knowing you want to laugh. You deserve to laugh, Savannah, Jen says, rubbing the gold pen grazing her neckline. As you live your truth, the laughter will come. We can't depend on other people to make us happy. They can enhance our happiness, but we have to love ourselves. All other the living is icing. Not necessary, but yummy. Well, I know I want intimacy, not just sex. I grab the wooden arms of the rocker, pushing myself out in a lovely stance on my feet that feel foreign. I've monopolized enough of your time. I think I can make it home. Are you sure you feel up to driving, Jen says? following behind me as I ascend the stairs. Promise me you will pull over and call someone to get you if you feel the least bit strange, she says. I will. I say, reaching the landing and turning to soak in one last ray of hope, excusing from this magnificent lady in the white light. On my way home, Alex calls, asks if I have anything I want to tell him. He says I, he says I hadn't hung up the phone, and he heard me talking about not wanting to hurt him. Despite the seriousness of the interrogation that's coming, I feel at peace. I can tell Alex didn't hear the entire conversation, just bits. So I could simply explain that I wasn't at the doctor's office, that I was at a counselor's, because I needed to talk to someone about our marriage. But, if I only tell him partial truths, nothing between us will change. Alex has to know the truth about everything. Jen, invisible writings, needing to feel heard, and Logan, who makes me laugh. I tell him we will talk when I get home, and calmness comes over me. I'm worn out from the seizure, but the serenitor I feel penetrating every cell is more than exhaustion. I'm going to speak my truth, and that truth will set me free. Free from a life of lies, free from Alex's anger, free from self-imposed limitation. Free. Alex is frying hamburgers when I get home. Without looking up from the pan, he tells me the boys are in the basement with Cole and Timmy. I have several things to tell you not sure where to to start i say leaning across the counter the doctor i went to today was actually a counselor and i told her about our relationship how i miss laughing with you alex glances at me and rolls his eyes you're never happy so how could you stop right there i say staring in his direction either you're listening or i'm done talking alex is silent i'm silent after what seems an eternity he jerks his head around as if he's a bobblehead, and I assume that means he's ready to listen. The counselor lady works with energy fields of our bodies. She offers alternative forms of therapy to help her clients heal, like, Heal? Hell, you had a seizure, Alex says, noticing I'm walking off. He stops talking. I stop walking and turn around. I'm hurt when you interrupt me and put me down. I'm not happy, but I do want to be. That's all part of what I'm trying. why, why I'm trying to heal. Alex rolls his eyes. Sounds quacky. Yes, I had a seizure, but that wasn't her fault. You know how he had a bad spirit in the house, but one was following me. That's why I had the seizure. Oh gee, Savvy, you can't possibly believe that. I stared at Alex's dark eyes as if he could as if I can brand him with the truth. And I wonder how many evil spirits must be attached to him. I just love for Jen to get a hold of him. I know she could help to see just uh, she could help him to see himself. But he have to want to see and think and I think this is big okay I think I'm sorry I think this is big this is his big bad taste Simpleton. self is too darn scared to look at the enemy in the mirror yes that's what I believe but that's not what I need to talk to you about we both come clean about the affairs we've had but I have a confession to make last week I started talking to Logan Logan from church we ran into each other at the library, and I knew it. I knew you'd have to get back at me for seeing Raven, Alex says, uh, sucking in his jaws. We didn't do anything, we just talked. I enjoyed being around him. He made me laugh, and I realized how much I missed that. Logan was different than the other guys I'd been with. Flipping a burger, Alex's watery eyes dart my way, then back to the stove. How long have you been seeing him? A few weeks. That's B.S. He had to be longer than that. You've been unhappy forever, Alex says. I hoist myself up into a bar stool. I have no reason to lie to you. I'm done with lying anyway. We really only saw each other a few times. A few times, and you love him? Alex says, staring at the grease popping on the top. I've imagined this moment for a long time. Telling him I don't need him anymore. How I'm worthy of love and want more for my life than the hate I feel from him. But as I look at the man I married, I realize I've always wanted him to see the real me, not the one he wants to conform to his ideals and to kneel, worshipping his mere presence. The thought of hurting him feels like I'm sticking a dagger in my own heart. Well, Alex is staring at me. I clasp my hands and force out the words. I care about him. Alex nods. Logan's trying to save his marriage, and I'm trying to save mine. I love you, but things have to change if I stay. You don't want to stay, he says, jabbing the special in my direction. I have to be calm, not just react to his anger. Alex, you signed an agreement a few days ago to stop being verbally abusive. But last night, you said that you won't. Nothing I do is good enough for you. You think someone else will, will love you better than me? He clicks the burner off and slaps the special on the counter, grease splattering up the wall. You think I'm such a bad guy? Wait till you get the boyfriend who smashes your pretty face against the wall. Alex opens the basement door. Boys, come eat. I hop off the stool and stroke his arm. Why can't you understand? I do want to stay. I just can't stay where I feel so hated. As the boys pound up the stairs, Alex yanks his his arm out of my reach and and squares his stance. Just go stick... Just go have an affair with someone else. That's That's all you want. I lower my head and turn toward the sink. I feel like... I just did. I caressed the cold, hard tile countertop, Alex. Alex and I built five years ago when we still had the promise of a tomorrow together. Suddenly I feel bone tired. A deep, refembwinkle kind of tired I know will require more than sleep to cure. My dream is dead. I have to form a new one. I will always love the Alex I married, but I love and respect myself too much to stay with him. Ben is first to hit the kitchen. I hug him before he grabs a plate. Missed you, sweetie pie, I say. God, I don't want to hurt my babies. The last person I want to emulate is my mom. I said I would never leave my babies like she did. Loosen me. Like she did loosen me. But I see now that decision like separating from your, your, your supposed soulmate is not that simple. And I wonder if there's more to mom's story that I know about. Mom, I'm hungry, Beth says, his cool blue eyes almost level with mine. I must have held him for a cold minute. Sorry, I say. You're as tall as me. I forced a smile. Where have you been, Mom? Isaac asked as Timmy and Cole reached for their plates. I wrap my arms around Isaac from behind as he squirched ketchup on his bun. I had a doctor's appointment and it took longer than I thought. Sorry, sweet pea. The boys all settled at the table in the living room in front of the, In front of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Alex shuffles next to me in the kitchen and whispers, you know what you're you know you've really decided to leave. So why are you going to come back? Okay. You know you've you've already decided to leave, so why are you going to some quack doctor lady for counseling? You know you're really nuts. She's helping me to like myself again, to be okay, whether or not things work out between us. Oh that's nice. She's telling you to leave, but she's only healing your your version of the story. The plate in Alex's hand teeters, and a few chips slide onto the floor. Even when Alex does listen, he hears what he wants. I press my hands together, forming a steeple, and nuzzle my fingers to my nose. It's not like that. Jen's not telling me I should leave. She's never suggested it. Sure. Just keep going, your crazy lady, Alex. Alex shakes his head and wrinkles his mouth, just like he doesn't, you know, just like he doesn't know what to do with me. God news for him. I don't need him to decide what to do with me, and not anymore. Okay. Last chapter coming up called winning vows. Let me check you guys out here for a second. Ah, there you are. I'm just looking here. Okay, yeah I'm just I'm just looking you know I don't I don't get to do this very often when you guys are on. Let's see. Okay, hello Persa, I see a new name out there. Hello, how you doing? All right, I'm going to continue to read. Uh, we're at chapter 22, so let's wrap this book up, shall we? So Everybody sit back, enjoy. Here we go, last chapter. The rain blows east after drizzling on the white canvas tent on Dad's lawn. It's Saturday, my baby sister's wedding day. Ushers dressed in white dry the folding chairs along the cobblestone path leading to the Rose Arbor. The bridal party is scattered throughout Dad's house, primping and chatting. As I scuttle about, fetching a drink for someone here and a tie for someone there, I catch bits of, bits of conversation about everything from the weather and the Dodgers to Casper and Father Nick's visit to my house. Ben's the town crier announcing new arrivals to the kitchen. In the event he doesn't know the person, he describes their appearance like an old guy with a crooked hat and a cane. And some big dude with a stiff mustache all curled up at the ends like a cartoon. By four o'clock, the seats are almost completely filled, with friends and family. From my bedroom window view I see Kent scrolling down the aisle, and to his right his wife on the usher's arm. They settle into chairs, and Kent leans in close to her, whispering, sharing the way married couples do. She smiles adoringly at him, as his arm slips around my shoulders, around her shoulders, I'm sorry. She wouldn't be smiling. She wouldn't be smiling if she knew the hand hugging her shoulder had been squeezing me. A few months ago, I haven't seen him since then. Don't want to. The thought of him touching me makes me makes me cringe. I wrap my hands around my arms, warming them in a soft embrace, and reminding myself that I don't have to let anyone touch me. Because you love me floats in the soprano in my room, floats in soprano, in soprano in my room. My cue to meet my groomsmen and line up side door. As I'm turning to leave, a lady who just sat down in the back catches my eye. She looks like Mom, except her hair's cut in a bob, not piled up on her head like ice cream in a cone. And it's a smooth ash blonde rather than a frizzled gray I remember. But if it's not Mom, it's her twin. The way the woman bites her lip and keeps tuckering her blue shirt, her blue skirt under her legs as she adjusts her sit bones in the chair, she's anything but comfortable here. I'm pretty sure it's Mom. It's not like Luce to forget to tell me something as important as inviting Mom, but I'll be cordial. This is Luce's big day, and I'm not going to be selfish and ruin it. Mom sure didn't attend my wedding, but then again, she wasn't invited. I stroll down the hallway, heels clicking with every step. My assigned groomsman steps forward and offers me his arm for our trip down the yellow path of daisies. Just like Luce, choosing the flowers instead of a red carpet. That would be too pretentious for a unique country girl like her. I hope getting hitched to an officer, even one as sweet little hit as Jack, doesn't make loose crowd okay doesn't make loose crass close hearted cheat like me. Wish I was on Logan's arm, but he's paired with another lucky bridesmaid. Besides, I would feel like everyone could see my thoughts, me wanting his hand over my thumping heart. His wife Carrie is probably in this crowd somewhere. But I don't see her, and I don't want to. I would feel bad for caring about her husband, even though we didn't do so much as kiss. I focus on the lavender, the lavender flowers cascading from crystal vases on either side of the lect- lectern where Bible lays, Bible lays. I remind myself that it was a little more than a month ago. I was on my knees in the shower, begging God to help me believe in His divine existence. He granted me an experience that did just that. Now I have to forgive myself and trust whatever I do, wherever I go, I will have everything I need for this inspired journey. God's got me gone. Stepping out the back door, my shoes sink into the moist ground a bit. My escort steadies me with a steel grip. Just as I promenade past the back row, I lock eyes with the lady in the light blue skirt. No mistake about it, it's Mom. I return her smile and proceed down the aisle. Thinking how ironic that Luce's marriage is just beginning as mine's ending. Watching Luce and Jack say I do propels me back to my wedding day. Alex sobbed so hard that when he pulled back from kissing me, a slime of thought linked our mortified faces. We had joked that the video could have won the grand prize on world's funniest videos. I'm not laughing now. Seeing Luce Dive seeing Luce Dive Kiss first in every dream when my fantasy reel is is ruining the credits. Literally chunky me, I do appreciate the irony of the circle of life that seems to be sucking me into a tornado as I brace for landing in the unknown territory. Luce and Jack's picture taking session is quick, and within 30 minutes they're smashing cake into each other's mouths under the tent where the crowd is gathered drinking margaritas. Keegan is scolding Isaac for tossing cheese cubes to the band. The caterers dole out cake, while a line forms along the path of the buffet, where dahlias hang damp from the lampposts and rock-filled beds brim with pink pennies, ponies. With a sliver of vanilla cake and a full goblet of chardonnay, I take my seat next to Luce at the bridal table. Luce leans close, speaking loudly over the band, What's Mom doing here? I stopped chewing the creamy ice piece of heaven in my mouth. You didn't invite her? Hell no. To Dad's house? Loose swings. Swigs. Dang. Loose swigs to follow a wine. Can't believe the nerve. Well, no sense to make a scene now. She'll probably leave soon, I say, hoping to put loose at ease. I swipe a falling tendril from, of hair from her temple. I'll keep her occupied so you won't have to deal with, with her, okay? She tips her head my way and sighs. With buttercream icing still melting in my mouth, I step into line for some beef and veggies, planning to locate mom and find out who the heck invited her. Dad's taking my place beside Luce when I feel the tap on my shoulder. I turn to a strangely familiar face. I turn to the strangely familiar face of my mother. Her blouse compliments her gray eyes that are crinkled on the edges like a homemade pie. She smiles and steps towards me, her foot unsteady in the heels. Hi, Savannah. You look wonderful," she says, reaching out and wrapping her arms around me. She's shorter than I remember. Hi, I say. I haven't seen this woman for ten years, and I can't call her mom like we chat every week. It was con- it was very courageous of her to come here I invited. Are you still living in Tennessee? She looks down, rubbing her hand, and long strokes as if I petting a cat. Buck moved out four months ago. We're getting a divorce. I might move back this way. I don't know how to respond. I can't imagine her living close to me. Savvy, I'm really sorry I wasn't there for you on your wedding day. And all the other days. She looks across the lawn toward the horizon. Pools forming in the lower lids of her eyes. I missed out on a lot, I know. I messed up. I love you girls. She swallows hard. Hope you can forgive me. Forgive? How can I forgive her? Forget the pain she's caused me? Loose dad? When she abandoned when she abandoned away and ran away. <laughs> when she abandoned away oh absconded, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm saying. When she absconded away with the preacher, I'm not prepared to forgive her for anything right now. Alex and his at Claire step up in the line behind us, jabbering about the Catholic Church. And I step forward, grabbing a paper plate. Are you going back to Tennessee tonight? That's a long trip. No, I stayed with Sarah last night. Remember grandma Lenny's dear friend Sarah? Sure, bring no big cookies over. She'd bring no big cookies over. Sorry, Mom smiles as she steps back in time. You'd gobble those cookies up and then grab Grandma's hand, swinging her around, dancing to blondie. Oh what, oh what was that song? Dancing queen. I say, joining Mom on Grandma's green shag rug for a second. Mom steps forward, handing me a napkin with Lucy's new last name, Newberry. Scroll in silver. Yes, dancing queen. And that's what you were to Grandma, her little dancing queen. Yeah, Grandma says I was her exercise, I say. I can see Gra- Grandpa Happy in his brown plaid pants, leaning against the doorway, watching us twirl under each other's arms. We made his pants scraps in a fabric cross that hangs in Isaac's room. Mom laughs. Really? Sounds like you made good use of those old pants. Wish Mom and Dad could be here today, see Luce so happy. Sarah and I have had a lovely visit down memory lane too. Her daughter and I were good friends, went to high school together, but then she moved. And after I moved, well, I lost touch with everyone except Sarah. I'm going to stay with her again tonight and head back in the morning. Must have been rough on mom to leave all her friends for Buck. She must have really loved him. I start to ask if Sarah's the one who told her about the wedding if I, you know, in order to find out why Sarah's not here because she was invited when I hear angry. Claire say. She brought that evil into your house. Now you've gone Catholic with her? Claire has to be talking about me. And she says we've gone Catholic, as if we've gone rogue. She hasn't seen rogue till she's seen me mad. The dark side of me, roaring like a wounded hyena. I step past the rolls, putting a few more inches between Claire and me. An amused mom was an anecdote of Isaac's calling Woodstock calling my sock hides somebody's socks as i scoop barbecue onto a lettuce leaf claire says she's a witch you should divorce her with the silver spatula in my hand suspended above the beef i look back at claire whose black bean eyes are boring a hole in alex's forehead a witch really i can't ignore this but i don't want to make a scene either i could uh, i could piece her malevolent heart with this pointed silverware in my hand Pierce, I'm sorry. But I slap the spoon into the bowl, flinging my plate onto the table, and stomp my stiletto solidly between Claire and Alex. I punch my finger into her bony shoulder. You are the witch, I say in a forceful voice I can't believe is mine. Claire sticks her neck high like a giraffe, reaching for a limb or whatever they eat. You'll leave your kids just like your mom left you. I make a fist and stick my fingernails deep into my palm. I want to hear her so badly, just once, but it's loose this day. I lower my voice and say, I'd rather have no mother than have one like you. I pivot on my four-inch spikes, leaving Alex saying, now ladies, and trying to avoid eye contact with the many eavesdroppers. Ladies, ladies, my foot. Claire started this, and I could finish it by du- dunking her head into the punch bowl until her snobby snot puckered like a fish, snoop puckered like a fish, but instead, I trot to the bathroom, a serene retreat. Between the, between the maroon, let's see, hang on. Okay, between the maroon curtains, I see the pond rippling like my swirling thoughts. I wish I were a witch. I turn her yakking declives into concrete so her filth can't feel the air. Reach my ears. If I had that power, I'd smack Alex Alex's together too. I'm gonna divorce I'm gonna divorce him. He won't get a chance to divorce me. That's what I should have told Anaconda Claire. And how mom must feel. She must have heard Claire's Claire's slam to her motherhood. Not that it's a lie necessarily. She was absent during most of my teen years, but yes. But just because she ran off with the preacher doesn't mean I'm living I'm leaving my boys for some man. And Claire had no right to suggest I would. I feel bad for just leaving, Mom standing there listening to God knows what dialogue passing between Claire and Alex and me. Mom wouldn't defend herself from the verbal darts in her life if her life depended on it. She's as quiet as the snowing countryside in Maine. Not me. I'm not living covered, in, covered on my haunches, praying for someone to rescue me from my choices, good or bad. Nope. My days of waiting for a night to save me are over. God gave me a mind think I'll use it. I'm not allowing Claire's insidious quacking to make me miserable on this joyous occasion, and I'm not hiding out in the in the bathroom. As I stomp through the kitchen to rejoin the party that's just winding up as the sun winds down, Kent saunters over to the side door. Savvy, he says, practically seeing my name. His long stride brings him to within a few feet of me, his eyes roving over me, making my blood cake. I feel as if he is actually ravaging me on the door. I step back, placing the granite island between his bulky body and mine that suddenly feels as buoyant as a sailboat, able to catch the next breeze. Kent walks his fingers across the bar as he steps towards me. When are you coming to see me again? I've been busy, I say, tugging up on the low neckline of my gown and remembering I need to speak my truth. Kent, I'm not messing around with you anymore. Kent stands stone-faced. Too bad Alex doesn't hold such high standards. I hear the backseat of his cruiser gets more action than it does criminals in cuffs. Isn't he the clever one? Kent thinks he can talk to me and to mess around with him just because Alex is messing around. I recognize the, his tactic, but I don't want to know who Kent hurt Alex is seeing. Maybe Alex is seeing someone I don't even know about. And Kent will tell me if he thinks he might get up my skirt again. I bat my eyelashes, looking coyly up at him, as if, as if we, we were connecting. True, maybe I should reconsider. So who's Alex New, new Weed Monkey? Kent's laugh is deep. Weed Monkey is that what is that what they call the police horse? Is that what they call the police horse? Kent rubs his hands together in circles, like he's actually getting somewhere with me. Stacy Chutney, I hear. She's a friend of yours, isn't she? She used to be, but my idea of sharing with my friends doesn't extend to sharing my husband, even if he is. Who he is, Kent. I say, I've got to catch up with loose. I'm keenly aware, Kent's entranced with my, with my back end, that swing as I walk toward the floor. Maybe I should have told Kent. He's never satisfied me, not one. Not, not once, not twice, and, and that the thought of his hands on my skin makes me want to shake, like Luce does after a, after a bath, but that would be mean. I have to learn to be honest without intentionally hurting others. This living my truth thing is going, to be, is going to require me to change my perspective on every situation. Guess Jen's going to be in my budget for a while. I can still hear Grandma's sweet advice, Always be ladylike, Savannah. And I followed that advice for years. No matter how desperate or heartbroken I felt. I felt inside. I've abided by society's rules of etiquette, hoping that people saw the li- saw the lie i wanted them to see. Turns out the community knew the truth all along that my marriage is a farce. Ted knew about Alex missing with Stacy. Logan knew my marriage was was Rocky and Dad and Luz recognize the crudeness behind Alex's jokes. Mom's at a round table in the back when I return to the party, and the band's playing Celebration by Cool and the Gang, touring Buckshit's group of dancers on the dance floor. Alex is sitting with his Aunt Claire near the food table. I'm thinking how they are good company for each other and how both their faces look like they've been chiseled from a glacier when suddenly I feel guilty, like I sent badness to them somehow. We all have lessons to learn. I'm helping them learn theirs, and they're helping me learn mine. I might as well start on this new me now. I take a deep breath and picture Alex and Claire blissfully and blissfully smiling. I know I have to be secure within myself. So secure that when someone like Claire lambastes me, me, I recognize the statement as the other person's desire to control me, just like Alex has tried to do for years. And just like Ken and Savvy, Mom touches my arm, and I realize I'm staring at Alex and his aunt, who no doubt are spreading gossip about some poor soul, probably me. Are you all right, honey? Mom's blue eyes are dim with her own despair, but I see the same caring in her eyes that shines through Jenny's, through Jen's. I don't have the heart to ask her who invited her. Clara's already hurt Mom enough, and it doesn't really matter who invited her. She must want to be included in Logan's life pretty badly. I mean, in Luce's life pretty badly. I don't know what I'm reading here. To break crashing this, this shindig anyway. Growing up without her was lonely, and I didn't understand why she left. Now that I'm searching for happiness myself, I feel a bit of compassion for her and realize that her leaving didn't mean she hated me or Luce or Dad. She was searching for something just like I am maybe love, maybe acceptance. How can I blame her for that? I'm going to be all right, I say, laying my hand on Mom's shoulder. I'm starving. Think I'll get. Mom is pointing to the setting beside her plate. a dab of each entree, and a side is on it, even rolls. She doesn't know I stay clear of grains. But how would she? Last meal we had together was, gran- was at Grandpa's funeral dinner 20 years ago. Scooting my chair a little closer to hers, I smooth the napkin over my lap and say, Mom, when you're back this way, maybe we can hit, this- hit them all. Her hand flies to cover her open mouth like Tom Selleck has just proposed to her during the opening act at the World Series. Savannah, I would just love that. I stick my fork to the green beans and ask her if she's spoken with Luce. Closing her eyes, Mom shakes her head. A few bites in, Alex is standing beside me with his hand extended and saying, Come on, they're playing our song. My dress swishes around my ankles to the tune of You Are My Shining Star, Don't You Go Away. Since when is this our song I have? He smiles down at me, his hand on the small of my back, since I don't want you to go away. I want to vomit. My stomach is churning with the music, but I know it's not the dancing that's making me sick. Our song has been sung, there's no more us. He's had 14 years to be the person I wanted to shine for, and instead he's thrown his crusty blanket of hate over my light. He doesn't follow through on his promises. But I'm following through on mine. I have to prepare to leave. Alex bends down close to my ear. I can feel his breath on my neck, and I feel suffocated. Savvy, I was just going to surprise you, but I'm taking you to Hawaii. Thought we'd fly to California. The room is spinning now, like it does at Jens. He really thinks the trip is going to fix us. I try to focus on what he's saying. Dad's going to watch the boys for a week. I got a great lesson to deal. Thinking of spending a whole week with him makes me feel totally spent. Like I have no energy for even one more breath. So, can you be packed by Monday morning? Alex looks at me with the soft brown eyes I fell in love with on the gym dance floor when, we all, had, when all we had was a dream and a package of condoms. How can I possibly leave him now when he's at least attempting to make an effort to make me happy? Huh? I say something. Alex grabs my arm. You okay? We're leaving Monday morning for Hawaii. You gotta be ready? Oh, I got dizzy. Must be the wine. Alex plants his hands tighter around my waist and, sh- and slows the circle he's spinning me in. Monday, I say? That's so soon. You know, I really feel like we need the break, especially after the whole water thing. Just you and me, no kids. So? I guess, I say, I can pack. The song is, and I cradle out Alex's jaw, planting a kiss on his cheek in the hope that it takes root and that he always feels the love I have for him, whether I go on this trip or not. A lady darts over, arms open, and engulfs me in an embrace like we're long-lost friends. She looks familiar. She rears back, and I recognize Claire's friend, Ruthanne. Seems like e- eons ago that I was confiding in her right there in the line of the pharmacy. I heard a priest got rid of your demon. Amazing, Ruthanne says, popping a handful of mints to her mouth. You certainly have a story to tell, my dear. Was it scary? Indeed, I do have a story to tell. But as I'm trying to focus on her words, my mind is already boarding a plane to Hawaii, a plane where I sit feeling like the test dummy in a Roswell UFO just waiting for the crash I know is coming. So was it? Ruth's saying. Was the exorcism scary? Alex is to my right holding a plate full of meatballs so still that he may have just seen Medusa and turned into stone. No, I say, thinking back to Ruth Ann, the priest brought the body of Christ with him, said a few prayers. I feel a hand on my shoulder and a slight shove. I plant my feet firmer. There was a slap in the hallway and it was gone. Oh dear, well, thank God it is, Ruthann says. Alex is urging me forward. I take a few steps, knowing with each step the invisible energy I feel and The invisible energy lines to my vocal cords are severed a bit more. I slide out of his grasp and lay my hand on Ruth Ann's arm. Ann, I'm very thankful, it left, but I'm also grateful it came. It taught me a valuable lesson. She's staring, and I keep talking. I'm the reason it came. I asked God to prove to me He was real, and He allowed me an evil spirit to antagonize my family so He could prove it. Ruthanne covers her mouth with a hanky. Claire did say she thought you had brought it in, but I just thought she was joking. Sammy's joking too. She's had a bit too much wine, Alex says, stabbing a meatball with his fork and twirling it by his temple in circles. I lean toward Ruthanne. You can believe what you want. But the house exorcism is no joke to me. I shake my rear through the crowd of guests gyrating to She's a Brick House until I reach Luce, who's inspecting a package on the gift table. where did you run off to, she says, rip, ripping a card open. To the bathroom. Had a few interesting conversations along the way. But those are Sunday front poor sitting material, not wedding entertainment. Luce punches my arm and laughs. Oh, I just bet they are. I saw Claire just yammering away to Alex. A little boy about seven years old runs up to where I'm standing and slides into the table, using the clock cover for a shield as a girl about his age rouses the buffet table with her hand on her hip, no doubt scouring the dance floor for the inconspicuous character at my feet. So, you, you find out who invited Mom? Luce says. I didn't have the heart to ask, Luce. She seems genuinely glad to be here. Happy for you. Even apologize for not being at, the, at my wedding. The little girl runs off, holding hands with another girl, and I nudge the boy with my foot. All clear, dear. The table skirt rises, and a pair of button-brown eyes peer up at me. The boy is wearing an Elvis grin. Thanks. How'd you know? I squat for the level. Girls were always chasing boys, sweetheart. Always, knew, always know where the nearest table is to hide under. Luce pulls a check out of the envelope and hands it to me. He gives it to Dad. He's holding the money. I'll go speak to mom if you can. I guess I can too. I smile. My forgiving attitude is catching. I'm already changing my world. I'm awake early today. I have to decide if I'm going on this trip, believing that Alex is truly committed to change, or if I'm going to accept the truth that he's uh, that he's oblivious as to the need to change. I can't go with him just because he thinks a, a, a plane trip and a different view of the skyline is going to take. A, it's going to make me accept that he's. He talks to me, like I'm the lady who simply cleans his common room. Come on. Not the one who nurtures his life. I lay my hand on Alex's back, hoping with each inhale that if if I leave, he'll be able to breathe in the awesomeness of possibilities that is obscured with me here, to break habits that aren't life-enhancing for him, habits that may only be able to break with the drastic scenario of me leaving. His transformation may begin with me living my truth. One of the hardest parts of divorcing him will be dealing with the boys' feelings, making sure they know Alex and I both love them, and that, even though I love their dad, it's no longer a romantic sort of love. I shower, put on my makeup, sand the mascara that may run should I cry later, and fix a breakfast fit for my three kings, omelets, fried potatoes, and pancakes with strawberry eyes and a blueberry-shaped mouth, just like Mom's patty wigs. Even though the topic of separation doesn't usually carry the pomp of celebration, today is a day of liberation for me. I'm setting myself free from the control Alex has had over me. I'm cutting the noose around my neck, and I choose to celebrate the freedom, no more whining around, blaming Alex for my unhappiness. I light a vanilla candle on the barn and say a prayer to Archangel Michael to provide stamina for my journey to independence, to the Blessed Mother Mary. To guide my path in motherhood even if it will be on a single lane isaac's up first and wants to eat but i hand him a glass of orange juice and i tell him we will wait on his dad and ben this is one morning we will all eat together after i tell alex how i feel the ambiance of all four of us sitting at the table may never be the same again ten minutes later ben pounds down the stairs into the kitchen smells awesome mom i pop a strawberry in my mouth and having been one, hear the shower running. Alex is up. We'll eat in just a few, I say, squirting whipped cream in the shape of a mustache on my, on my, on my, onto my masterpiece. When everyone's around the table, I ask Alex to say grace. Alex raises his fork like it's a gavel. Please bless this meat. Let's eat. I'm savoring the table talk and grasping my fork like I'm holding the hand of a friend during the last breath. Ben's asking when Alex is going to take him and Isaac for a ruling at the Hatfield-McCoy trail again. Alex is rattling off the maintenance that must be completed on the Honda before they can ride while Isaac shows up and down his seat and asks Timmy if he can, asks if Timmy can go too. I listen and eat and watch. I commit each detail to memory while the eggs stick to the roof of my mouth. I focus on the way Isaac picks the green peppers out of his omelet, the way Ben adds chocolate milk to his mouth before swallowing his food. It seems like I was just spooning mush in their mouths, that they would just spit out, like I was just removing small objects from their grasps, so they wouldn't get choked. Protecting my boys, has been my, my boys has been my life, and I want to protect them from the pain that speaking my truth will cause them. I could stay silent, go on this trip and continue to live with the hope that Alex will change or that I'll find a way to cope with him. I won't compromise my morals and i would keep my family i would keep my feelings to myself if i were the same person i was just a month a month ago but demons and exorcisms oh, i'm sorry before demons and exorcisms before father nick and jen before god proved to me that i don't need to see something to believe it's real happiness in my future is unseen yet i feel the certainty of his existence within the stillness of me. I've changed. I don't want to live a lie anymore. Pretend that I'm content with having a roof over my head and a husband who's not hugging a barstool every night. To stay here would be to accept the version of me that Alex sees, whatever that may be. Probably a wicked woman who doesn't understand him, but I've booted the evil from my reflection. With Jen's help, I've snipped the cords that connected me to a demon and kept the scars as reminders. Of the lessons I've learned. As I look across the table today, my husband looks different, his mouth slightly drawn up to the left. The same wrinkle is cruising his forehead, but he looks like a stranger. A stranger, like I never knew him at all. Only got a glimpse of his glorious soul, and that was a long, long time ago. My stranger says, you know, right, Sav, you look funny. I nod and sip coffee while Isaac spurts more maple syrup on his already soused eggs and tries to do avail, to entice Ben to taste it. It's surreal. The most easygoing meal we've shared at this table in months. The last supper of sorts for us. I can only hope my family's resurrection will be as miraculous as Jesus'. I stop rinsing my dish to answer the knock at the door. Cole comes in and spots the warm pancakes on the bar. You're the best, Savannah, he says, scraping off one and eating the whole. The boys run outside to play, leaving their dishes in the sink. I stand by the counter, my hand braced on the bar. Alex, you know the agreement you signed last week? Good Lord, do we have to talk about that crap again? Alex says and swallows the last of his grape juice. No, actually we don't. I say conjuring the peace I feel when I'm sitting by the levee watching the river flow. I just need to tell you that I understand that you aren't ready for that commitment. That's not where you are right now. The candle flickers to my right, reminding me that I have heavenly helpers. Alex, I say, I appreciate you planning the Hawaii trip, but I feel that a vacation isn't going to help. Alex chews silently, alternating glasses between his plate and mine. I want to feel a connection to you, but the starting point of that is the agreement that... Sam, if you don't go, I'm done trying. Alex gets up and scrapes his leftover pancake into the sink. I thought you were done the other night when you said that you weren't going to change and I couldn't make you." "'You don't know what you want,' Alex says, walking past me. "'You want to mess with half the county and come home to me.'" I'm not listening to him telling me what I want. I don't, I don't want to mess with half the county, and he's never going to understand that. I look at the flickering candle on the counter, and the flame dies as if it was snuffed out. I don't want the hope inside of me to die with it. "'I will pack,' I say heading upstairs to dig out my suitcases. I'm gonna pack, but I'll need more than just sunscreen for this trip. I'm packing for a journey that will last the rest of my life. Alex and I are done. I'm jumping off the roller coaster ride. I'll strap Alex in as best I can, but for me, I'm shooting out, out, out of this cannonball into the wide open sky. After calling dad and telling him we will have company for the indefinite future, I spend the afternoon packing and washing clothes. The biggest suitcase gets tucked into the trunk first. I pack another and another, first mine, then Ben's, then Isaac's, rotating from one room to the other, finding smaller bags I can squeeze into my truck and the floorboards of my car. My, my truck and the of my car. The boys and Cole are roving the area on bicycles, and Alex is washing his truck, not paying attention to how much I'm loading into the car. I place the last bag that will fit in the back seat and still leave enough room for Isaac. Then I head inside and stand in my kitchen one last time. Looking out the kitchen window, cradling my coffee and watching Alex bring his vehicle, scrubbing the windshield like he'll be able to see everything he needs to see with a clean, I wonder why he can't see that his entire life is about to shift. His view is obscured by his ego, not the bugs on his window. He may never see himself the way I do, or life the way I do. I can't just tell him I'm leaving and walk out, no. I've lived here unheard for 14 years. I'll leave my thoughts on paper for him to refer to as much as he wants. I run upstairs and scribble a letter. Can't read the letter, sorry guys, too small. I hear a door slam downstairs, and I tuck the note under his pillow. I glance out my closet window. The boys' bikes are laying on the ground, and Lazy's fetching a stick cold throwing. When I get to the kitchen, Alex is washing his hands. What's for dinner? The question throws me off guard. I won't be here to cook dinner anymore. I look at the stove, and it already feels like I'm standing in someone else's kitchen. Alex, I'm not making dinner, I say, pouring my cold coffee down the drain. Alex gulps a glass of sweet tea and shakes his head. Of course you're not. Alex, I'm leaving, I say, clutching my purse hand. The stranger's face is gone. A fearful-eyed high school sweetheart stands staring at me. I want you to be happy, I do, I say, and I love you, but I can't stay. I always knew you'd leave, Alex says, hunching over and untying his tennis shoes. A drop splashes to the floor, and this time it's not from a demon. It's from my fallen angel, who I wish would wrap his arms around me and tell me he will change, tell me he will chop his tongue off in a guillotine, if that's what it takes to make me say. But my voiceless angel bustles upstairs when he will find a handwritten note and just maybe let himself cry. I scramble outside and send cold-peddling home and tell the boys we're heading to Papa Cows. As the crescent moon hangs low over Mudstalk Heights, looking like it's trying to snag a steeple in the Catholic Church, I sit the Ridgeland's living with Ben and Isaac and tell them their dad and I are getting a divorce. Not because we don't love each other, but because we want each other to be happy and we are not happy together. I roll the window down and tell them I'm sorry. That I had hoped it would not come to this, that we could make it work. Isaac says, When are we going to st- go see Dad and our friends? I turn to the back seat. We're staying at Papa's for now. You'll get to see your dad almost every day. We don't have a schedule yet, but we'll work it out. But, Mom, you just said you still love each other, so why can't you still try? Ben asks, looking like he's stuck at the top of a Ferris wheel I just got off. I curl one leg around me. We love each other in a different way than most than we used to, and believe me, we have tried. If there was any way possible we could make it work, I wouldn't be here telling you this right now. This right, instantly the humming of a passing barge transports me to another time. I've been here before. This already happened. These same words, Ben and I, just exchanged. The smell of the fish, the moonlight reflecting off the river, the sound of the barge—all of it—it already happened. Mom been staring at me you know what deja vu has been I ask. no it's when you feel like something's already happened like you've lived it before I just had that feeling that I've had deja vu before but never this strong I say stroking the rosary beads hanging out my rear my rearview mirror I know we've been here and done this before sounds crazy but after everything we've been through maybe nothing is crazy huh I say, leaning across the console and hugging bed. "I love you guys. Everything is going to be all right. It'll be different, but I just know your love. But, but just, just know that you're loved very much." If a time warp actually exists, it's in Jen's basement. The cruel, unreasonable world seems not to exist at all, like it's been sucked into a black hole, and up through the floorboards has risen on Atlantis, pristine, sublime, and not, as, as non-dimensional as the cosmos. Doesn't seem like just yesterday I left my husband, but I did. And I'm thankful Jen worked me in. Feels like an elephant just stomped across my chest. Shoving Kitty off my chair, I tell her I left Alex. Jen sits back, a somber expression on her face. I knew I had to, but I feel sorry for him because he doesn't see his part in Split. And I don't think he wants to. Jen cradles her elbows with both hands, and the, and the golden aura around her expands. He may get a different perspective of someone else later on with another woman. Guess we could still care about each other and not be together making each other miserable, I say, kicking off my shoes. I need to love myself again, and I just can't do that with him around. Savannah, you know you may or may not find another love in your life. I'm not trying to scare you. I just want you to be prepared, to be alone, and be alright with that. To be happy whether there is or isn't another karmic relationship for you. I wasn't happy and alone anyway. I say nothing you know what has become of my favorite shares in the world, second only to Dad's. My chances for surviving on my own far outweigh the possibility of me surviving another year with Alex. I'm going to focus on healing me. And if I never fall in love again, well, I'm okay with that. You will feel like you're on a teeter-totter for a while, Jan says. Like you're trying to stay balanced. How are the boys? They took it okay, but I'm sure they're in shock. And we'll need a lot of reassurance as the days go by, I say, picturing all three of us sitting on the levee. Oh, and when I told the boys about the divorce, this intense feeling of deja vu came over me, stronger than I've ever had. I knew I'd had the same exact conversation. Even the sounds and smells were the same. How do you explain that? Time is an illusion, Jen says, sacking her hands one above the other. The past, present, and future are occurring together. You know something about Einstein's theory of relativity? A little bit. It's based on the premise that we can change our past and our future by changing our now. Exactly. The infinity symbol represents this well. The first loop on the luminescent represents the past. The second loop, the future, and where they intersect, the present. It's as if you are riding a train and nearing a station. If you look to your left, you would see your past to the right, your future. Jen says, turning her head from side to side. Your location on the train is yours now. It is your now. I tip my head toward the spot above me where is always peering at angels I can't see. I pass a silent request to them to help me understand this quantum physics concept that's more above my head than they are. If that's true, then the future already exists. So how can So how can what I do now affect the future? Our perception is our reality. Each person perceives the world in his own way. Our current perception is the only thing we have the ability to change. But when we change our perception, the past, the present, the future, they all change at the same time. She must see my scrunched up face, smiles and says, in our three dimensional world, I know it's hard to grasp, the time thing. Jen, I say, cupping both knees with my hands, whose voices did I hear before I had the seizure. Jen is staring into the space above me, probably asking if it's all right to tell me the entire truth, asking if I can handle it. I shoot a quick prayer to whoever's hovering up there and insist that I can indeed must know. After everything I've been through, I deserve to know. Jen leans back on the desk. The spirits that were talking to you weren't acting in your best interest, and they didn't want you here because they knew. They would have to leave. Savannah, they Jen knocks her clasped hands on the desk of the gavel. They were attracted to you. Her gaze is tender. She doesn't want to frighten me. But if I get this if I got this right, Jen, you are saying they were in me. I say trying to conceal the fear in my voice. I want all the facts. No, but they were embedded in your arc field and fed off your energy. They enjoyed watching you when during your encounters. Jenna is speaking slowly like I'm a lip reader. I smile despite the deafening heartbeat in my ears. Did I bring any of the voyeuristic crew here today? No, dear, they're all gone. I don't want to scare you, but they have been known to return, so be careful what you open yourself up to. If a situation doesn't feel right, live your truth and you will stay protected. During the healing session, I close my eyes and see white flashes of light that I now believe be my guardian angels. Jen's hands are several inches from my bare arm, yet the the heat from them feels like I'm standing near a campfire. After a soothing meditation, a deep sense of of contentment replaces the sense of loss. Before I leave, I hug Jen, whose saintly soul saved mine. Traveling back across the winding West Virginia highway, I wonder why I've had such preposterous experiences as I've had this month, when surely I'm not the only person in the world to ever get angry with God, I'm not the only woman in history to have an affair, yet I haven't heard of other people having a demon spray them with water and attached to them in order to watch them have sex. Maybe God gave me the unusual experience in the hope that I would write about it. That is, if God hopes for anything. Before going to Dad's, I pull in Mudsock High's parking lot, Bright bright in the afternoon sun. As I grab my baseball cap from the seat where my notebook lies, the air sprinkles or sparkles just like I just shook a tube of glitter. I brush my seat with my hand to remove the dust that should be there. But there are no particles in the seat. If fairies exist, maybe they're trying to get my attention. Maybe they're trying to tell me that the book I'm writing will help me heal. It may even help others to heal or to believe in a higher power and that would be the best gift I could give the globe. I open my notebook and write. A few minutes later, I'm jogging the path along the rippling river, wondering what awaits me in the future. Will I become Catholic because of the unmistakable power that God demonstrated through Father Nick? Will I extrapolate every bit of information I can from Jen about the divine energy healing? Will I really complete a manuscript and sell a million books? As I breathe in the moist air on this clear night, when every star in my celestial view is visible, every boat afloat reflecting light on the water, I know that whatever I choose to do, my future, the future that is occurring right now, with each thought and with each single intention I'm creating is the moment, is creating the me I want to be. If life's a test, I want to pass. I want to learn my lessons and move on to the next dimension, enlightened. I want to find my way home. A warm breeze carries the smell of honeysuckle my way, invigorating my heightened state of awareness. The familiar whistle from a train that's clacking along the rail in front of my former home in Ridgeland blows low and steady across the the river to my ears,
1: and I realize
0: I am home. My ever-present, ever-changing soul, home. There is no end. All right, that's the end right there. We did it. I hey, let me get back here. That is the end. Let me see what's going on here. Hey, okay. <laughs> it's a different story, you know? Okay, well, that's it guys, we did it. That's it, that's the end of that book. And uh, that was a pretty good book. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I had to like hold back on for obvious reasons, but uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining me, everybody. It's Sunday. I know it's a hard day because you're just starting to get rolling into the weekend. Tomorrow, I'll be on at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific, and we're going to have Michael LaFlem on, who's going to be talking about visions of Atlantis. I love talking about Atlantis, it fascinates me. So he's going to be on with us tomorrow at 2 p.m., so look out for that. Also, I'm teaching a class next Saturday at 3 p.m. Pacific, and it's all about protection. It's all about you know learning how to protect yourself through meditation, through candles, through you know talismans, different talisman kind of like um, maybe a medicine bag. I could, I'm going to teach you how to build, make a medicine bag. i want to teach you how to make talisman that you can hang in your house. How to protect your dogs. How to protect you and. And keep it you know and keep the peace at your home or even when you're out on the road in your car or wherever you can always have a medicine bag with you when i go on investigations i carry i have one around my neck all the time and it's not that hard to make one it's just it's just i have to explain the steps to you guys so if you're interested in taking a class like that that again that'll be at 3 p.m pacific on saturday and that you have to go to the door uh, to sign up you have to go over to the california haunts meetup and go to the um, events calendar you can sign up from there and there's also some links here on, that I left on Facebook for that as well. But uh, it, uh, I think it'll be a real informative class. I'm really seriously considering doing like morning meditations. You know, like getting up at like 8 o'clock in the morning Pacific time and sitting down and just taking you guys meditations and stuff. So I'm thinking about doing that as well. Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming today. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California House Radio. Maybe there's some people in your house that you said, hey, come on over, listen to this. It's a cool show. I appreciate it. So again, if you're watching from Facebook and uh, you haven't done so already, feel free to uh, follow. Or if you're on YouTube and you haven't done so already, please feel free to uh, uh, subscribe. I really appreciate it. But again, thank you. And I, as usual, I appreciate it. And as you can see, I'm running that thing down at the bottom. And that's because, you know, uh, this... Uh, this doesn't come free, and I'm self employed, you know, not self employed, but I'm retired, and I got to make the bills. So uh, if, I, if, if you could help me out a little bit, that would be great. Uh, you could do that at PayPal.me at California Haunts or Venmo at, at California Haunts. Anyway, I will see you guys tomorrow, 6 30 p.m. Pacific with my, I'm sorry, God, I blew to that, but 2 p.m. Pacific with Michael LaFlemme. Have a great evening, everybody, and see ya. Let me get my push my buttons. And thank you again. Thank you all for coming. I appreciate it. There we go. See you.